Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 9. And sir, it's so good to have you today with us as well. Thank you for being our guest. And uh, I'm excited about what God is doing. Even in the midst of coronavirus chaos. Still working, he's still moving, yes, he is. Yes, and I'm thankful that for that. In Jesus' name, if you have your Bibles, Hebrews chapter ten and verse nine. I'm sorry, youth class, forgot. Youth class, all these teenagers, they're itching, they're chomping. Pastor, let's go. Pastor, let us go. Oh man, he forgot. He's keeping us in here. If you are from the ages of twelve to fifteen, please meet with my wife in the back, and you guys get to go to youth class today. This pastor remembered. Hebrews 10, verse 9, Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And... Every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh. Read all of that to give context to verse 13. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. From henceforth expecting. Let's put our Bibles down this morning. Let's go before the Lord again in prayer. God, we love you and we thank you for what you have done for us. God, I thank you for what you are doing even right now. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We give you praise God, you are worthy of praise. God, I pray that your spirit would reign in this house, that you would fill this place with your glory, that you would fill this place with expectancy. God, that you would anoint our hearts and our minds to receive what your word has for us today. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We give you praise. We give you honor and glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. 
from henceforth expecting. We read in verses 9 and 10 how Paul was writing to the Jewish church, and he said, Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, or the first law, the first covenant, that he may establish the second. You see, it was not the will of God that the blood of bulls and the blood of goats and turtle doves and so on and so forth would continually push forth sin. That when a sacrifice was made, those sins were not remitted. They were not washed away, but they were pushed forward to another time. And so year by year, they would make sacrifices. And occasion by occasion, they would make sacrifices. And the sins would be pushed forward time after time after time. But we get a, a greater understanding of the words of Paul when we understand when Jesus said, I did not come to do away with the law of Moses, but I came to fulfill the law of Moses. The reason that blood had been shed from the creation of mankind until the days of Jesus Christ, the reason blood had been shed was to set the stage for the, the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ, by the which we by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. In other words, God took away the sacrifice of animals because the sacrifice of God manifest in the flesh was once and for all. And by that sacrifice, we believers are sanctified. We are made holy. We are purified. We are consecrated unto God. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices. And they didn't take away any sins. But this man, Paul is preaching to the Jewish church. He said, but this man, Jesus Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice, that sacrifice for sin that was he himself uh, clothed in flesh, dwelt among men, yet being tempted in all fashions like we are, he did not fall prey to sin. And so he was the perfect sacrifice. He was crucified. He died, was buried, rose again from henceforth. He sat down on the right hand of God. He's put in a position of power, a position of authority. From henceforth expecting. I came to preach this morning to someone that the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that your entire Bible is centered around that. But that's not where it ends. That's not the ending. That's simply the beginning. But I've got another day to face. I've got another trial to face. I've got another struggle to face. But because God was because he was crucified, because he was buried, because he rose again, now he is set down in a position of authority. And from that point forward, he is expecting victory. Expecting victory by a new and living way, verse 20 says, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh. This new and living way tells us that there's a contrast between that which Moses had established in the law. It left the individual dead in their trespasses and in their sins. 
but now there is a new life that has come. It's a, a contrast between light and darkness and, and this new life that comes by being quickened by the resurrected Spirit of Christ and being born again of the Spirit of Christ. When you and I are born again, of the water and of the spirit you and I take on that same spirit of victory that's what we're preaching about today that, that this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever sat down on the right hand of God from thenceforth or from henceforth expecting when you and I are, are born again when you and I are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost we are now born into a family that goes beyond the, the realms of physical nature and it steps into the realm where anything is possible. It steps into a realm where we understand that every principality, that every power was subjected to Jesus Christ. He conquered death. He conquered hell. He conquered the grave and every power in the universe become his enemy and are made his footstool. He said now that I have experienced victory, now that I have led captivity captive, now that I have accomplished what I was created for, what I created this world into from the, the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. He said I knew that this point was coming and now that it has come to pass, he said I am expecting my enemies to be made my footstool. His absolute victory at Calvary and his resurrection was final. There is no negotiation. There's no bartering back and forth on who has the power or who has the authority. But when he came, he said, I've been given the keys to death, to hell, and to the grave. And so no longer do those, those circumstances, no longer do those entities have power. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And so I'm sitting down expecting. I'm sitting with authority expecting victory. I'm expecting. Sir. Or ma'am, the fact that you have struggles are not a handicap to God. And neither are they a handicap to you. But God is sitting on his throne today looking at you in your struggle. Looking at you in your turmoil. And he's letting you know today through the mouth of this pastor, I'm sitting on heaven's throne expecting victory. Because I see an enemy that needs defeated. And my victory was final. My authority is final it's not up for debate it's not up for discussion but my victory was absolute and those who are sanctified those who are justified are free from the power and the curse of sin and so when you and I are born again we can also henceforth expect well, what does that mean, Pastor? Webster defines the word henceforth as from this time forward. Starting now. There is no ending 
in the definition. And so Paul was very clear when he gave the instruction to the Jews. He said he's sitting on the right hand of God. He's in the position of power. He's been glorified. That's another message for a completely another time. But he said he's, he's sitting in authority. He's sitting in power from this point forward. In other words, his power is limitless. It's never going to end. You give an everlasting, eternal God power, and it's not going to end. But when he was glorified, he said, it's starting today. I've got all power in heaven and in earth. When you and I are born again of the water and of the spirit, our authority, our dominion, and our power starts then. There's no end in sight. There's no end date. He's not saying you've got Holy Ghost power for the first seven days or for the first seven months or the first seven years. He said, but you can come into the house of God or you can come boldly before the throne of grace, understanding that henceforth I am expecting victory. I am expecting authority. See, well, that's Webster's definition. It was. If you were to look it up, the definition in Strong's in its original language, it's something that remains. From now on and beyond that, So you're telling me that it's from now on, but then it's beyond that. You're right. Because when you and I are born again into the body of Christ, into the kingdom of God, we are not born into a temporal or temporary kingdom. We are not Born into a kingdom that has an end date. But we are born into an everlasting kingdom. And so we've got to stop thinking about the Holy Ghost as a power, as a spirit of God limited by time and limited by space. Because he's not. It is not limited. It is not. But he said from henceforth, I am expecting, I am thinking that something will probably or something will certainly happen to think that someone or something will arrive or that something will happen to take or receive to wait to expect henceforth expecting you say well pastor I've fallen I've made a mistake okay Welcome to the human club. So, there's provision for that. It's called repentance. And just because I've been baptized in Jesus' name, and my sins have been remitted from that point backward, isn't that cool? The moment I'm baptized in Jesus' name, from that point backward is taken care of. And then when I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, 
I'm getting excited just thinking about it. From that point forward. He's got my past covered with baptism. And he's got my future covered with the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And when I fall, I shall arise. I arise with repentance. God, I know I messed up. I know I made a mistake. But God, I'm repenting. I'm making that decision today. I'm not living that life. I'm turning around. I'm going to do better today. And I'm going to do better tomorrow. God, I want it. God, from henceforth, I'm expecting victory. He's made a provision for your mistake. He's got my past covered. He's got my future covered. I'm preaching to somebody today. There's power like you've never dreamed of when you are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. When you're filled and you come under the same umbrella of authority and power and anointing. I'm expecting... James 5 and verse 7 uses the same word. When he says, be patient therefore, brethren. I don't like the word patient. It's a dirty word. Be patient therefore, brethren. Unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth. The husbandman waiteth. It's the same word that was used for expecting. The husbandman waiteth. It's a husband. It's a farmer. For the precious fruit of the earth. God bless the farmer because he has long patience for it. Until he received the early and the latter rain. So the farmer has waited on the early rains, the spring rains. He's, he's worked the fields. He's dug, he's plowed, he's pulled rocks, he's pulled weeds. Ground is ready. He's sowed the seed. But he does not wake up the next morning seeing the harvest. But the day he plants, he is henceforth expecting if he was not expecting a harvest, he would not have planted the seed. But he has sown the seed, and he cannot rush the crop to grow any more than putting fertilizer on it, than pulling the weeds by keeping everything the way that it should be. But he is expecting. He understands that one of these days, uh, when the time has come, when, when the, the germination period has come to fruition, then I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to see that little, that little bud, that little seed uh, that has sprouted, and it's coming out of the earth. And, and it doesn't matter. Listen, it doesn't matter if the seed was put in right side up or upside down or sideways. That seed knows I'm reaching toward the sun. You say, well, this was going on in my life and that was going on in my life. And I heard the word. I heard the word preached. I heard that, that, that man or that woman when we were in the store and they witnessed to me. But there was so much going on that the seed came in sideways. Yes, listen, when the time comes, 
when the conditions get right and that seed says, you know what? I know I'm dead right now. I know I'm dead right now and there's no potential here, but I don't want to stay here. I want to become something. I want to become more than what I am right now. He said, I'll give you power to become the sons and the daughters of God. Even if the seed comes in sideways, even if your world is upside down, from henceforth, I'm expecting like the farmer who has sown the seed. He said, I'm expecting a harvest. It's used again in John 5. Verse 2 says, Now there was, or there is at Jerusalem, by the sheep market, pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. And in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk. What does that mean? They had issues. They had problems. Physical problems. Mental problems. Whatever it was. Blind, halt, withered. And they were waiting for the moving of the water. They were expecting the water to move. Archaeologists have since that time excavated the area. And they found these pools with these steep steps. And they said, with reference to the scripture, that it would be very, very difficult for someone who was lame or someone who was handicapped to get down into that pool. Hard to navigate these steep stone steps. But nevertheless, the Bible says that they stayed close by. They expected the water to move. And wanting so badly a miracle that they would risk the physical harm and physical danger to navigate these steps. I know that it's not going to be easy because the angel, the angel would come down and would trouble the water, the Bible says, and whoever first touched the water would receive a miracle. They'd be healed. Verse 4 says it, for an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. They said, you know, I know that the angel is going to come. I'm expecting that to happen. I know that it's treacherous. I know the steps might get slippery. And my footing might not be the best. I may not be the most stable among us. But I'm expecting the water to move. And I know that if I can get into or touch that water first, something will happen. And the possibility of physical restoration was enough to outweigh the risk of physical harm. The bumping, the shoving, the pushing. I want to be first. No, I 
want to be first. And the Bible says that it was in this place that Jesus comes in and he finds a man that had been there which had an infirmity. He was sick. He had an illness 38 years. It's a long time. And when Jesus saw him lying and knew that he had now been a long time in that case. Jesus saw the man, looks into his eyes. He knows the depths of this man's despair. He looks at him and he says, Wilt thou be made whole? Five words. I know you have a problem. Later the scripture would make it clear that the man was lame or he was paralyzed. I know you have a problem and I know that you're here. So just because I have a problem was not the only factor. My location with my problem is also a factor. That we have this misconstrued idea at times that I don't have it all together so I must stay away from where the angel is moving. But this man said, you know what? I've had this issue for 38 years. And I've had it for 38 years. And I've been expecting that the angel would come and move. And I know that if I stay at home with my issue, there's no chance. But if I can get to the place where the Spirit is moving, even though I have an issue... My location matters. And Jesus asks this man, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man looks at him and is in his very natural thinking. He said, Sir, I have no man that when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. What's that tell us? This man has been here for over 30 years hoping for a miracle. He's in the right place, but he doesn't even have anybody to help him. I'm here, I want to be made whole, but I don't have anybody to help me. But what he didn't realize at the moment was that standing in front of him was the one who commanded the angel to move. I don't have anybody to help me get in the water. But Jesus is saying, son, you don't need anybody to help you into the water today because I'm the one who makes the angel to move. And standing before you is a man with the special knowledge, with the authority, and with the power. And he's offering a new possibility today. Jesus is letting that man know, I don't need that pool to provide a miracle. I'm the one who's sending the ministering angel. Jesus said unto him, rise and take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. Why? Because he came to a place against all odds, but he was expecting he came with his despair. He came with his paralysis. He came with his issues. He came with his loneliness. And Jesus said, Son, I'll meet you where you are. God 
wants somebody to know today you're in the right place at the right time Let's lift our hands all over this sanctuary. God, I want you to move right now. Oh, I want your spirit to move right now. God, I want you to touch a heart. I want you to touch a mind. I want you to touch a body right now. God, you've got the authority. You've got the power in the name of Jesus. Oh, let's give him praise. Jesus' name, you can be seated this morning. There's another word for expecting. Same concept that's used in Acts chapter 3. Verse 2. A certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried. When they lay daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. He had no way to make a living. He was lame. He had never known what it felt like to be able to carry his weight on his feet. Peter and John are coming to pray. It's not an unfamiliar story. Verse 4, and Peter fastening his eyes upon him with John. He said, look on us. He gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Peter not only spoke the words of faith, but he also acted upon them. He reached out, he lifted the lame man, and true faith requires word and action. So when Jesus was looking at the man by the pool of Bethesda, and he said, wilt thou be made whole? The man responds, sir, I do, but I don't have anybody to help me. There's an interaction that goes on. There's an interaction that goes on between Peter, John, and this other lame man. But they all reached out and they took him by the hand. And the man instantly received strength. Why? Because he was expecting and he was in the right place at the right time. And there was a man of God there that said, you know what? I understand what it was. What happened when he was glorified, when he sat down in a position of authority. He said, greater works than these shall ye do. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And the, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And Peter and John knew what he said was true, and he's with us today. He's given us authority, and this is an opportunity for him to experience another victory. 
Galatians 6 and verse 9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. We don't have to stop working the field even when we don't see it, but we work the field with expectation of a harvest. I know that empty pews and empty chairs can get depressing, can get oppressing, it can combat our faith but we are henceforth expecting that God has called and what whom God has called God will qualify and whom God qualifies he will equip and I'm telling you today that there's enough authority and power in the name of Jesus for you to see miracles for you to see signs and wonders for you to experience the infilling of the Holy Ghost we shall reap if we faint not. The word is written there, expecting. We shall, I'm expecting, if we faint not. Mark 16, or 17. I think I'm getting close to the end. I think. These signs shall follow them that believe. There's a level of expectation there. In fact, it's almost resolute expectation. It will happen. It shall happen. He didn't say these signs may follow them that believe. He said these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. So if you go to a church that says the infilling of the Holy Ghost, the evidence of which is speaking in other tongues, is not necessary. They don't believe what the gospel says is true. If they believe, they shall. They shall. We don't handle snakes. But Paul understood it, that he was putting wood on the fire and the serpent came out and it clamped onto his head. He's doing the work of God. And God used that situation to lead an entire island to him. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He said, you're going to have sick among you, but they have the opportunity, the ability to be healed in the name of Jesus. Mark 16 is Mark's account of the Great Commission. See, I'm just going to pause right here. There's a reason the Trinitarian only refers to Matthew 28, 19. Which is Matthew's recollection of the Great Commission. But Mark went on. Mark went on. He said, okay, these signs shall follow them that believe. The Great Commission is given. They shall speak. great commission is given and now Jesus is showing them he's telling them he's indicating to them that the empowerment and the authority that accompanies that commission that the believer's authority is God's authority mediated through him you and I have become the channel now 
You and I have now become the conduit by which God moves in our world. That's why we've got to be filled with the Spirit of God. We've got to be baptized in His name. We've got to take Him on in baptism. We've got to be filled with Him. Thus all is done in the name of Jesus Christ. Whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name. Jesus promised that he would give his followers power over all the power of the enemy. So you and I can expect there to be power and authority that accompanies our walk with God. Hebrews 10, 12. This man, Jesus Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. From the point of his glorification forward. He said, go tarry ye in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And for those disciples those followers of Jesus Christ, from that point forward, they experienced things in their own lives that they had not experienced from that point prior. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Would you believe with me today that Hebrews 10, 13 goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 14. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head. That sounds a lot like putting him under our feet. He said, I'm henceforth expecting until my enemies become my footstool. He said, I didn't just win the victory for me. I Yes, I won the victory. It was absolute. There's no debate about it. But because I won, then every seed of the woman that comes after, every man, woman, boy, or girl who is born again of the water and of the Spirit can experience victory. Can experience authority. I am expecting my enemy to be put under my feet. I am expecting people to be filled with the Holy Ghost in every service. I am expecting someone to be filled with the Holy Ghost on outreach. I am expecting the waters of baptism to be troubled. Why can I expect these things? I can expect those things because Acts chapter 2 and Verse 38 says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. That's for everybody. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sin, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's for every one of them. It's for every one of you. It's for every one of us. Your lineage does not matter any longer. Your ethnicity no longer matters. The fact that you're a Jew or a Gentile does not matter any longer. But I can henceforth expect God to move. I can from henceforth expect God to change their lives. 
They're not too old to change. They're not too old to be filled. They've not gone too far that God cannot reach them. They're not too broken that God cannot mend them. It's not too impossible that God is not able. It shall be done. I am from henceforth expecting. From this day forward. From this moment forward. From the moment the one who commands the ministering angel to minister. From the moment he steps into my life. From thenceforth. From henceforth. Forward. He said, I'm not expecting a time or an age or dispensation or a year or a president, or a politician to affect the fact of whether or not God is moving. But it's from this day forward, with no end in sight, I can expect God to move. I can expect God to change lives. I can expect God to help me become Song says it doesn't matter your condition. When I get in the right place, I would I would say that the lame man outside the, the gate didn't really have a full revelation of why he had picked that spot. You know, they're going in and out of the, the temple three times a day. They're walking in and out. It's a great place for somebody that cannot work to sit and beg. There's a lot of people there. He picked the best looking gate. Some archaeologists believe that it was a gate that was completely covered with bronze. And so in the, in the daylight, it's shining, it's glimmering. And there in front of that beautiful gate, in such stark contrast, is this man with no muscle on his legs. Sitting there, and no doubt his lap is covered with a blanket because he's ashamed of his condition. But he's in the right place at the right time. And when Peter and John walk by and they have an understanding that the same power that Jesus Christ operated with in, when He was on the earth, we were given that power on the day of Pentecost. That power now resides inside of us. And so now I can look at the man who has the issue and I can say, hey, look on me. I know you're in the right place at the right time. I know that you need something from God today as we stand all over this sanctuary as the musicians come. I know that you're in this place today and you've got a condition but you brought it to the right place don't keep your condition at home with you or rather don't stay home with your condition
The church is not a place for perfect people. The church is a place for those who have problems, those who have issues, because we all have problems. We all have issues. None of us are immune to those things. But when we come to an apostolic altar, I'm telling you that this altar, the Spirit of God, is the great equalizer. And it doesn't matter what problem you have. I'm telling you that you serve a God today that wants to meet you in an altar and from henceforth expecting I can leave this place today expecting victory I can leave today expecting harvest I can leave today expecting authority expecting power expecting 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 I wonder if I have anybody today who say you know what pastor I need to bring my condition I need to bring it to an altar I need God to move. I need him to work. I need him to work. I need him to do it. I can't do it on my own. I don't have anybody to help me out. But he's saying you're in the right place. And you don't need a man to help you. You don't need a woman to help you. You need God to help you. And God is in this place today. And God wants to do it. If you'll come forward expecting God to do it.